0: Welcome to the World of Wisdom podcast. My name is Amit Paul, and uh, today I get to speak to Alexander Whitley. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, I'm hoping that we will touch on on a subject that I loved uh, as a kid, which is dance, and that I've rediscovered just recently, which is uh, sort of, I don't know processing complexity through your body or emotions and through your other part of your being than your brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe it's both. Let's see. Um, but um, to start us off, I want to ask the super simple question that I always ask of my guests, uh, which is, who are you,
1: Alexander Whitley? Um, well, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Alexander Whitley. I am um, a choreographer and Artistic Director of Alexander Whitley Dance Company, a company I founded in 2014. And that followed a, a performing career I had as a dancer that spanned about 15 years or so, um, which started out in ballet. I trained at the Royal Ballet School. Um, I had a very thorough and specific uh, training in, in classical ballet um, through my childhood. And, um, yeah, then began performing in one of the UK's main, um, ballet companies, Birmingham Royal Ballet. And it was there that I started creating my own work. Um, as is often the case in these kinds of, um, um, larger ballet companies, dance organizations, they, they provide opportunities for their dancers to create their own work, to try out ideas. And, um, yeah, I think it was a time in my life when I was, No, Starting out in my professional career, I was curious, interested in not only the career path I'd um, I'd chosen, um, but I guess also the world more broadly. And so it seemed like a nice thing to do to see what dance could do to satisfy my interests and um, provide a vehicle for me exploring some of these questions I had. Um, about my life and the world and, and the body. Um, so yeah, that was really the beginning of, uh, of a journey that's taken me quite far away from, um, from ballet in the end. But, um, I think I quite quickly realized when I started making my own work that I was much more interested in the work being created by choreographers, um, who were working contemporary dance. Um, and I realised just how little I knew about dance because my experience had been so, um, I guess, so narrowly uh, focused around around ballet, um, and also realised that the kind of work that I was performing in a ballet company was generally concerned with ideas that were related to a world that existed 150, 200 years ago, mm-hmm. um, and um, and carried with them a lot of the um maybe more negative sides of uh, you know um of thinking about the world from those times um so yeah i think it really just opened my my mind up to what dance was as an art form and and uh, and in what ways it could potentially engage with the contemporary world and um so yeah that really led me towards contemporary dance and in about four years into my career, I, I moved um, over to a company called Rombert Dance Company, which is the UK's uh, largest, uh, well, it's the UK's oldest dance company, actually, but um, was the first to kind of shift into into modern dance. But it's a, yeah, it's kind of the flag- flagship contemporary dance company in the UK. And that provided me with a really great platform to work with a much broader range of choreographers across a range of dance styles. Um, as well as giving me a platform to create more of my own work, and it was a, a massive leap into the deep end. Uh, I had to learn very quickly about a lot of things that I felt really uncomfortable about, like improvising, for example. Which, as a ballet dancer, you're generally never required to do. Certainly, in the time that I was training, that was not part of it. It's very much about, you know, repeating the exact same movements again and again and again to uh, perfect them. Um, And as soon as I was asked to improvise, I just realized how, um, yeah, how unable I was to think freely or act spontaneously. Um, So that revealed an awful lot to me. And yeah, I guess over the years, I've been unpicking that and exploring it um, in in various different ways.
0: Mm. You said something about um, the questions that, or actually no, but you said something like the, what, what an exploration into around what dance is or what it could be. And mm. so in your current, um, at this point in time, what, what is, uh, what is dance to you as an
1: artist? Mm. It's, it's, it's so many things. Um, and I guess it's important to say that, that my, my, um, choreographic practice has, um. It's taken on a close relationship with technology, um, with with uh, various forms of technology, and I've been deeply interested in exploring what the implications are for uh practices like dance um as a result of developments in in, in digital technology. But that's maybe a, a bit of a, a, a sidetrack. But I guess um I mean yeah, the practice of dance is really uh about the movement of of the body, the experience of of moving in a body, and the expression, the communication of uh, a condition of being in the body, and um, and that can take on so many forms. And and I guess that's what I I grew to realise over my career. There are so many different ways of approaching that, and so many methods that have been applied or. Uh, yeah, priorities that have been given to it in terms of the the physical discipline on the one hand, the kind of the, the, the training side of it, and a uh, consideration of yeah, uh, technical and virtuosic elements of performance. You know, the demonstration of of um, of, of physical ability and uh, complex feats of coordination through the body. So there's that very kind of technical, physical approach to it on the one hand. Um, and that's probably been much more my experience of it, um, coming from ballet and then engaging in other kinds of, um, of techniques that are rooted in that, that, um, that physical virtuosity, like the work of Merce Cunningham, for example, he was a very influential choreographer, um, of the mid 20th century who did some really fascinating things in terms of breaking the body down into, into parts, thinking about the separation of the torso from the legs and the arms and um, creating patterns of movement for each one of them independently and then mixing them up, which are really, really tricky to accommodate and assimilate into the body. But, um, but in the challenge of trying to do that, it reveals how amazing... The body is at f- ultimately finding a way to, um, towards uh, coherence. And uh, something that at first can feel so deeply strange and uncomfortable and abnormal can come to feel very natural. And I think that was really revealing for me um, of this kind of, um, yeah, learning that kind of um, technique really uh, revealed something to me about the way that we. Uh, we acquire physical skill and, um, th- and and how that relates back to early development. I guess maybe what's important to say as well is that I was I was doing all of this at the same time as um, as doing a degree in uh, politics, philosophy, and economics. And it was the philosophy side of that, I mean, the politics and the philosophy that I was particularly interested in. But I was studying the philosophy philosophy of mind and um, and getting increasingly fascinated and interested in all of these uh, bigger philosophical questions around uh, the relationship between the mind and body, between reason and emotion. Mm. Uh, and, you know, the the philosophical baggage we carry with us is, uh, in, in, in Western thought in particular uh, f- uh, from Descartes and his dualistic thinking about the separation between mind and body. And, I guess, you know, over the last 20 or 30 years, there's been some really interesting shifts uh, away from that, and particularly from the f- um, philosophy of phenomenology and thinking about experience as the, uh, as a, as the basis of philo- philosophical inquiry rather than, um, you know, uh, reasoning. So, yeah, there was a lot coming together there, I think, around this um, deepening of an understanding of, ways of being in the body and expressing things. And that was quite challenging for me as well of, of undoing a lot of the rigidity that was held in my body from, from my training in ballet, which really prioritizes this kind of presentation of strong, bold characters, particularly for male dancers, you know, this kind of the princely ideals, you've got to be on stage with a puffed out chest and, you know, big, um, open arms demonstrating your, your strength and, um, and capability. So, uh, dancing in ways that were maybe more, what's the word, the best word, best way of saying this, that ways that in some respects were maybe more effeminate or, um, Sensual or just exploring a range of feelings that at first I felt quite uncomfortable with because i couldn't i guess i hadn't been in a, a position of 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 really relating to them through my experience of dancing and 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 it felt strange being in in those kinds of um, ways of moving and so recon, reconciling you know a much broader um range of emotions and feelings with yourself in order to be able to then convey them authentically as a performer, I think was, was a really, really valuable thing for me. And, 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 and and that also demonstrated to me the therapeutic potential of a, of a practice like dance. My, my mum is a psychotherapist. My wife happens to be a psychotherapist (laughs) um, uh, as well. Um, um, Yeah, yeah, so I guess there was always that lens as well. You know, um, I mean, this was before I met my wife, but um, yeah, certainly through conversations with my mum and her husband, who also happens to be a psychotherapist. um, Yeah, I guess it was all all being filtered through that um, as well, which... um, But what
0: I'm hearing you speak to a little bit is like the... um, it sounds like something around like the way i am he- hearing you is like that the ballet is a specific way of moving in the world literally <laughs> actually um which is which is very i guess like role dependent like you you're really stepping into something like somebody else's skin and you're 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 shielding yourself in a way like yep. you're it's not about you coming through as a as a dancer. And then sometimes I guess with the greatest ballet dancers, you probably have a little bit of that, like a little bit of taint, like something's leaking through. And so you've, there's like a certain emotion that that carries. Um, But then flipping to the other side, which is more about sort of using the training to convey something, which you, which is more you, like Mm I'm, I'm relating it to singing, like where you have, if you're singing opera or something like that, and you have vocal placement, and then you have this like a certain technique and you're hiding, you're, you're doing it in the way you're supposed to be doing it. And there's like a certain proficiency like that, that uh, what you were saying, but then on the other end, it's like the, the artistic view, which is like one of my vocal coaches always said, like, it's, it's about how far can you take me? Like it's the transportation, like that portal like quality of like inviting somebody in and doing that. It doesn't mean that it's not a role, but it's, it's a part of you. That's, it's much more like transformation. If you will. like, it, it has to, it, it relates to you. And you have to yeah. relate to it very closely yeah. and investigate that relationship in order to make it, I don't know if those, is, is
1: that, is that it-ish? It, it ish? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that idea of stepping into a role um, is very much a, a, a part of that traditional uh, ballet situation. And I, I think I always, I struggle with that partly because of the kinds of roles that I was being asked to step into mm. um, that I didn't feel as though I could easily relate to them. But I think it does require a, a special kind of skill that I recognize. <laughs> and I certainly see in hindsight, I didn't really have, which is, is um, and it's amazing to see when, when people are capable of that, of, of kind of jumping into any role and being it, but also somehow also um, being able to be themselves or to allow their personality to um, shine through their roles. The roles that they're portraying, and I think, as, especially with with a, a practice like ballet, which is so strict in so many respects, like it does it 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 irons out a lot of the individuality um, from people, and that's very intentional because so much of the spectacle of ballet is about uniformity. It's really the you know the power of the corps de ballet of having rows and rows of of dancers in perfect lines looking identical. That's the ideal that's driven for. And yet there's also this thing that rises above it, the kind of magic of the people that somehow, um, go through that whole process and still manage to remain, um, unique or bring, bring something of their, their character through that really um, rigid discipline. Um, and I didn't have that. (laughs) I, I, um, I had to go elsewhere to, yeah, to find, um, to find a way of, of really feeling as though I could authentically yeah, convey feelings and emotions and ideas, um, through my dancing. And, and, and that meant being myself, um, finding a way to really be comfortable with myself and being myself on stage and performing in roles where, where I could just do that, which was in abstract contemporary dance. I, I, I think I generally, found my closest affinity to um, because it wasn't really acting out a character. Mm. It was much more a case of allowing ideas to be at work through my movement and body, which doesn't mean they're completely devoid of, of, um, of expression or feelings. Mm. Um, But um, I guess those feelings emerge as a result of, of processes that are uh, are driven by you know ideas that are drawn from various different places and i myself have have taken a lot of inspiration from from scientific ideas you know looking at the kinds of the, the well the way that um science describes patterns in mm-hmm. the world you know at, at a very fundamental level and and how choreography is ultimately um, or, or again is fundamentally about the patterning of movement in space over time. And these, these temporal patterns, temporal and spatial patterns can be found wherever you look in the world. Mm. And, um, and so, yeah, that for me has been a really interesting way of, 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 um, of connecting my practice and my, my work with contemporary ideas descriptions of the world or you know an analysis um of the world from a more uh, philosophical uh, or political standpoint and um yeah that's that allows me to keep my my mind um you know inspired and engaged and and connected to the world around me mm. which i didn't feel as though ballet was really doing um but hopefully also means that the work that i'm creating is 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 connected to something what it means to live in this world now to you know to um to be experiencing um a condition in the world and, and to be feeling it um you know to be to be feeling these the effects of these kinds of processes and systems that we're bound up in and and um and dance can almost be a microcosm for that and and a and a space for people to be able to connect to and contemplate their experience of being in the world in relation to what they see unfolding in front of them.
0: Yeah,
1: I was going, I was going to ask you. It's like, why?
0: What's the point? <laughs> what <are> you're doing? <laughs> I mean that in a very respectful no, <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's a it's a really good question, um, especially given all of what's happening in the world. You know, it's easy to say at the moment, but you know, it's, it's some the crises we're, we're facing in, uh, in, in so many respects, it does, it always has made me ask, you know, what, what is the value of, of dancing? Because it can feel so flippant or um, irrelevant in the face of some of these, these, these bigger issues. But um, I think it was uh, Brian Eno recently uh, I was listening to um, and he Put it quite well so i'm going to paraphrase him uh, badly but he, he was talk- talking about art more broadly but i think he was describing it along the lines of that um art provides a space for people to deal with uncertainty and to come to terms with uncertainty which we rarely have when we're at work or you know when we're engaged in the act of living out our relationships mm-hmm. And that contemplative space, that safe space in a way for people to experience, experience some challenging things sometimes and, and be able to step away from them, knowing that it's not their lives. Yeah. It's, a, it's a way of um, seeing into certain experiences without the, um, the weight of having to live them um, that I think is, is the value of it. And so, you know, that's if I can get anywhere near to doing that or having that effect. Um, over the people that 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 see the work I make, then that feels as though it would be worthwhile. And I mean, I guess it, of course it depends on on the subject matters being explored as well. And and mm-hmm. and I think I'm yeah I'm I'm drawn to exploring subject matters that feel relevant to me uh, that are engaging with in you know, serious contemporary issues. But I guess there's always some strangely blurred lines in, in dance as to whether or, or to how much it is art or entertainment, sport or, mm-hmm. um, or expression. <laughs> you know, the, the, it, it, it covers a lot of territory and it can be, it can be quite hard to, say for sure or be specific about what it is or or where exactly you lie on on that really quite wide spectrum of, of possibilities. And it's and it's always probably somewhere strangely in between it all. Yeah. It's interesting what you say about the uncertainty because it's like I get curious
0: if that is what we're doing at the moment, like in in this current time, because there's so much of the uncertainty, like if it's a WUCA world or if it's a Bonnie world or like whatever, I mean, all these acronyms, there's always like incomprehensible or uncertain or like it's, it's right there. Or if it's always been the case, like if is that also what like Monet was doing when he was painting, like is that also a processing of uncertainty in a way? Like, or is it? And then what I was, what came through, like what I wanted to ask was around uh, beauty for some reason, mm, mm. but, and, and I haven't seen your work, but like, are, how, cause, cause a lot of the contemporary tends to get, um, ugly or like, <laughs> almost, like it's, you know, and so I'm just wondering like, how do you, where's beauty? Is, is there beauty in your work? Like, and how, and, and where is it? Is it like, you know, is it in your face or is it mm. <laughs> like, how do you think about it?
1: Yeah, I'd say there is. Uh, I, I think, um, I, yeah, I'm not entirely sure why. Well, I've got a few ideas of why. I mean, I think in some respects there's probably um, an influence coming from my background in ballet and, and you know, the the prioritizing of the beautiful spectacle that comes with that. But I guess I've looked elsewhere into a very different kind of aesthetic style um, for that. And I think that's where the... But I mean, because the, the the work I make as a choreographer is still so informed by my training in ballet. I mean it's the the vocabulary itself has moved quite far away from it, but the the technical rigor is still there. And so there's a I think my my movement and my my eye for dance is still very much bound up in um in that kind of exactitude. Um uh, and and the uh, um, and the refinement of 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 certain technical feats of movement that um i think do lead it towards beauty um in in some respects um but yeah it's the you know the it's the beauty of virtuosity of 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 seeing people perform technically skilled movement and 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 taking very calculated risks um, in in how they move, I think there's something inherently thrilling about seeing people take risks and and somehow avoid <laughs> the the um, the danger of, of those risks I mean that's kind of again what you could say about ballet' it's, it's always on the it ha- you know balance and the holding of balance is is such a, a, a key feature of it there's, there's always that element of of, of risk and involved in attempting to balance for even longer or take the balance to the very edge of stability. Um, but what I was going to say is also, I think that um, my work with technology, my incorporation of technology um, into the work I make brings an awful lot of beauty uh, to it. Again, it's um, the, there's a lot of spectacle that comes with, say, the projections or light-based um, technology that I set as a counterpoint um, to the dancers on stage. Um, and I'm, you know, undeniably drawn to to beautiful things that digital artists are making, you know, this curiosity and fashion, fascination with how moving forms can be represented um, through different forms of media and can really give a very different way of of yeah of representing movement um, providing different feelings of um of movement um through these new new forms of media and i mean i i like I like to work against that as well though not just to be okay with making beautiful things and 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 letting them be just beautiful but always to try and cut against it a bit and and find the, the tension or the, um, yeah, the counterpoint to those more beautiful moments, um, in, in various different ways, you know, in, in, there are so many, yeah, there are so many different ways that that can be achieved. I think in terms of the, um, the harmony or, um, or dissonance between, a, Different features between the movement, the dancers, and the, the rhythmicality of the music, for example, that the movement isn't always going exactly on beat, but can work against it, can, can syncopate against it, can actively um, resist falling onto that beat at all. Um, and the same with the relationship between the performers and 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 what's happening in in other forms of media and the uh, the digital visuals that um, I often present alongside um, the dancers and then you know also in, in in the relationships between the dancers as well you know the uh, the ways of them falling in and out of synchronicity or or working with ease and release and fluidity or tension and aggression and and force you know that all of these qualities that we know and feel in our bodies and 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 if we do any introspection at all we know that. You know when we're when we're sad and down in the world we're we're slumped in our chests we're mm-hmm. you know we're 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 closed inwards and we're heavy when we're happy we're open and lifted and and light and I think you know in these very very basic terms we can use these different the different qualities that we are so intuitively attuned to i think from our experience of being in our bodies as as the tools of constructing different kinds of relationships and scenarios in, um, not only in the, in the movement of dancers, but between the elements that come to constitute, a, um, a dance performance and that, yeah, that's a deep source of fascination for me. And, and
0: I want to kind of double click on this, on the technology part. Um, hmm. and cause I know, I know a little bit from our first conversation, but I'm still gonna ask the question as if I didn't, um, what, what is your relationship to technology? I mean, are you, is it just, is it just a good thing?
1: (laughs) Mm. (laughs) Am I pro or anti? Exactly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, neither, I I think. um, And I think it's so easy to to fall into that binary way of thinking about technology. I mean, about so many things in the world, but I think technology in particular um, tends to divide people um, in either being kind of evangelical about it, it's our savior, it's gonna solve all our problems, or really pessimistic and um mm-hmm. kind of doomsaying about it as it's, you know, thinking about technology as being our destroyer. It's it's inherently bad. But I think throughout human civilization, technology has existed and has brought both benefits and challenges. And I think it's 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 more to do with quantity and extent, um, that things are changing in relation to technology, the extent to which, um, digital technology in particular is becoming ubiquitous in our processes of communication in, in, in our thinking, you know, uh, the idea of uh, our minds, you know, the extended mind—the mind not just existing within the brain, but um, as something that is extended into the environment um, that we act within, or through, or as part of—and you know, mobile phones and, and and computers are such constant parts of our experience that are. You know the way we think and act is is inseparable from them, um, and there are so many things that then stem from that. And I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, to go back to your question, in terms of my 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 feelings about it, yeah, I think there are inherently good and bad parts of it, and it's often it's political, and it's you know it's often a matter of um, whose technology it is, and what the, what the agenda is behind that. And I guess over the last few years, I've been particularly drawn to a lot of work that's come out, um, exposing the kind of business models behind the tech giants and the, the design of interfaces that is, um, is really functioning within an intent, intent, sorry, attention economy that's, Mm -hmm. that's, um, that's deliberately working to try and hold people's attentions in, in a way that can be really detrimental to other aspects of yeah. of their their life and well being. Um, you know, and I think this is natural in a way that that new technologies emerge and then the world realizes what the hell it is or is comes to terms with what it is, and and then these technologies are. Revised and rethought of, but you know, there it's also the fact that you know, there seems to have been a paradigm shift in in the extent of power behind um, people developing technology these days that that, um, I guess makes it a bit scary in political terms, and you know, we can see just how significant. Something like social media has become in terms of informing politics and um just completely destabilizing a process um that's having very significant real world outcomes so yeah, I mean without going too much down a rabbit hole of that that side of things it that's where I'm drawn in terms of my mm-hmm. my interests in the world and 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 then my practice. Is really looking at not only the, the the practical implications for an art form like dance of developments in technology and the different kinds of experiences that can be um, created as a result of it, but then how the combination of those elements or the 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 holding up of a, a human performer against some kind of technological artifact can in can in any way um, form the basis of exploring some of these. These bigger issues in the world, in terms of the, the, the impact of technology, and it's not always easy to do that. You know, to join the dots between these these issues and and actually what's what's happening on stage, what's taking place on stage, especially when when there aren't any words, when there's no language. I, you know, some choreographers do do use text, and occasionally I I've used. Small passages, passages of text, as you know, introductions or kind of key points through performance, just to help give a bit of context to to what's happening through the dance. But for the most part, what an audience experiences is only is is movement, and and um, the meaning that is being derived from from the performance is is coming entirely through through the movement of the the dancers' bodies and and the movement of other forms of 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 media and often the signifiers aren't very clear and direct. Um, There's huge spaces of ambiguity in that, which can be very powerful. Again, it comes back to what we were saying before about uncertainty. You know, we have such a predisposition to to want to make sense, to want to to know the answer, to find the meaning immediately and make a judgment on it that when you're denied that it can be it can, it can be really challenging and and uncomfortable, and, and I think a lot of people really struggle with dance for that reason because they just, they don't know how to look at it. They don't know where they should be looking for meaning when they when they see dancers move, and um, and I think a lot of the time choreographers don't really know <laughs> that either. Um, in terms of the like the intentions that go into it, and then the effect of 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 what comes out of it. Um, Especially when you're, you know, you're taking ideas from literature and translating them into dance, and it's a very non-linear, indirect process at work there. But I think that's what also keeps me interested in making making dance. Uh, Most Cunningham, who I mentioned before, described it as trying to pin jelly to a wall. <laughs> it's, yeah, um, <laughs> it's a slippery and frustrating process. But there's something about the the inability to pin it down that makes it appealing because there's a, my, there's a continuous mystery. Um, even as someone that's so close to it as I am, it's a really, what comes alive for me. It's
0: like, there's a, there's, um, it's, it's there in a number, but there's like, there's this idea of like, uh, of quality rather mm. than quantity. And so, mm-hmm. um, but, but that quality is, I'm just curious to in, in the way that you, work with it, it seems like you are actually usually not giving much context to, to the audience. And so I'm just wondering, like, as people walk out of it, or like the feedback that you get from, from when, when you leave them and, and they get to go back to their normal lives, quote unquote, um, are there, is, are, are there, is the understanding or the interpretation of your work? Just, is that very disparate or is it, are there, does this seem to be sort of common themes or like, are are people picking up on similar things? I'm just
1: wondering if it's. Yeah. I'm, I'm not entirely sure because it's not often that I have conversations with people a long time after I'm seeing most of the, the conversation is in the kind of polite chit chat after yeah, after a performance <laughs> where people are generally polite, regardless of what they think about it um and I guess you know you, you can maybe pick up on that from from reviews and so on, but um yeah, i mean i think I think the the context is is maybe clear enough for people to to be guided to, yeah, to know well enough the kinds of territory that that the Mm -hmm. the piece is operating in. And, um, and again, you know, the combination of, of the, of, of other art forms that that come to make up a dance performance, like the music and costume design and, Mm -hmm. um, visual media lighting design, um, all help support the exploration of, of whatever has inspired the, the production. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I I like to think of it as almost trying to create, create a world around a theme and each respective part of that world can shed light on it or embody those themes in, in a slightly different way. And that's a hugely enjoyable part of the collaborative process of making a dance work for me is that I, you know, I get to work with a composer and a costume designer and a lighting designer and, and digital artists, um, to think about how the idea that inspired the work can, can be expressed, uh, and how, um, yeah, how the ideas can be really diffuse across many different levels. I think sometimes, you know, the, it's in that diffuseness that that the the ambiguity can can exist because i'm not making work that's telling a specific story mm-hmm. it's it's generally non-narrative work it's it's abstract i don't think dance is particularly good at narrative i think language and literature are amazing at it and and i think that yeah as i was saying before i think the there's more power in the ambiguity in, in, in dance. And um, so, yeah, it's then often things are being expressed on different terms and in different ways across these different um, media that come together. And sometimes there can be really clear alignment on those things, and other times they are really working much more at a counterpoint um, with each other. But so I think it's, yeah, there's, a, there's maybe a, a willingness needed. Um, from the audience just to allow themselves to be in that world and for a lot of it probably to wash over them or not to kind of land immediately as a, as a really kind of known and salient idea or position on this subject that's being explored, but more that they they can just, they can be in that space and, um, and hopefully, and who knows when exactly some of these things might um, find resonance or, Will make sense to them because i personally found that from my experience of watching a lot of dance and other art forms as well is that it can be it can sometimes be days or weeks later that something suddenly clicks or makes sense or you're reminded of it in a way that really then reveals the power the significance of it rather than it happening in in um in the moment and um and I think we're generally much more used to a media landscape where things are like, yeah. you know, you're hit with them immediately and directly in a way that makes you feel as though you're having an experience. You get that kind of rush of going, oh, this is, this is amazing because, it, you know, the, the TV screen is, you know, cutting to a new angle every millisecond and, you know, there's pyrotechnics flying everywhere. And um, that kind of really visible drama undoubtedly engages people. But again, I liken that more to the kind of distraction we get from smartphones. It's designed in a way just to hold your attention at the fear of being distracted from anything else, but it just doesn't allow for that space of dwelling and contemplation that I think is so important for us to arrive at true understanding and to gain a deeper insight into the world. Yeah, and mm. that's not always easy. It sounds like it's a it's a
0: it's a process that seems to require a lot of trust. Yeah, 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 <laughs> on your part. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the reason why I'm asking is also because like, I've I've been reading Christopher Alexander, um, who's an architect and a designer and so forth. And he one of his sort of main theses in in his work is that there is something. Um, which is life and, and there is an innate ability for people to identify it. So even though we cannot measure it and put it down on paper and quantify it necessarily, mm-hmm. um, there is, there's still such a thing. And so like, as we are in his case, then designing a building, if you're moving that doorway, you know, and, and you're gradually moving it. And, and at one, at some point, uh, a, a majority of people or, or even more will say, okay, that's the right place. That's the place where there's most life. And that goes for sort of the width of it and so forth, depending on the context. And and then, of course, there are certain principles that you can work out against, but there's still this thing called life that we can all identify, that we are all kind of geared towards or or like Mm. in in some deep way and, and, you know, oriented towards. And Mm. at the same time, a lot of our um, sensibilities have been captured, maybe, or, or, you know, uh, pulled away from that part like there there is that because it comes back for me to to this idea of the, the technical technological versus the the living uh if you will um
1: yeah i wonder i because mean, i'm not familiar with with his work but i've um i some of my work happens in kind of under the umbrella of architecture i i tutor on a course at the the Bartlett School of Architecture.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, it's a course, a course called Design for Performance and Interaction. And, um, and the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm tutoring on that is largely because of my experience of working with technology in a performative setting, with interactive technology in particular. Um, but yeah, the longer I've been working there, the more I guess I've been receiving second-hand information about um, the world of architecture and arch- architectural thinking. But uh, in particular interested in, um, the idea of atmosphere. Um, I think it's, um, Gernot Burmer, he's a German philosopher who's become quite influential in architectural circles and in, in theater, I think for defining this, uh, idea of atmosphere, which I don't know if that relates to what you're saying about this life, um, mm-hmm. of, uh, an innate sense or, you know, a, a, a knowledge that we can't put our finger on we can't say definitively what it is but we know it yeah um and 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 burma defines atmospheres as as indeterminate states that exist somewhere between bodily feelings and environmental conditions and it's the it's the in-betweenness it's in the coming together of of body and environment and body space and all of the different sensory elements of that environment that um yeah, that uh, that define an atmosphere. But again, it's indeterminate. We can't say exactly what it is, but we we feel it. We you know we can all say from our experience of, of living in the world that some buildings, some spaces, just have a, a good atmosphere about them, and and right. and that can be to do with the you know the the, the space um, itself, or it can be the to do with the way that people exist within that space. Yeah. And again, we can try and um Identify the kind of individual component parts of what that might be in terms of how how light comes in through you know how much light is coming in through the window or how high the ceilings are, or how easily people can move around and navigate within a building. but again, it's never any individual you know one individual part of that. It's always the the coming together of, of many elements of them and um And I guess it has relevance for theater because Burma uses theater as a as a way of explaining. Um, some of these real-world um, concepts because the theater is ultimately a, a blank canvas um, within which envir- uh, sorry, um, atmospheres are constructed. Right. I like that because it,
0: it, in our pre-call, you, we were also talking about feedback and feedback loops. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So
0: sort of, there's a certain, certain directionality to things that we are exposed to, uh, if you will, and especially when they iterate. Uh, mm. Over time, so I'm wondering if you wanted to. It seems like relevant too, because on it, one end it could be the technology, which is the building, and then it could be the technology, which is the smartphone or the computer or the social media or the web page yeah. that whatever it might be. You know.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I guess fundamentally it comes down to action and perception. You know, this foundational features of conscious experience, um, we perceive a world and we act, uh, in that world somehow based on information in that world or information from our internal experience. You can think about that in architectural terms, into, uh, in, yeah, in terms of the way that we, we respond to the particular details of a, of a constructed environment, but in in terms of interactive technology, I I'm really fascinated in, in what these processes of, of feedback can do because what, what's becoming increasingly possible through the use of interactive technology, which, um, I guess can take many forms, but the, the area that I'm particularly interested in is around the the tracking of, of movement. Mm. Um, the tracking of the the movement of the body either just the body itself or the movement of the body in um, in space and then the the use of that data um that's being tracked to then provide some form of feedback often um visual feedback um to the person that's moving which a mirror is a very very <laughs> basic right. form of which you know as a as a dancer You'll probably be familiar with as a really important part of your training. So your 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 basic sources of feedback as a as a dancer when you're training are your own body and and how it feels when you move it, the praise or criticism that you get from your teacher (laughs) as to whether you're doing the steps in the correct or incorrect manner, and the mirror. You know, you what you see of yourself as you're performing those actions, and we 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 correlate the three. In either positive or, or destructive <laughs> feedback loops, <laughs> where you kind of filled with self hatred as you're you know, seeing the ugly shapes <laughs> and being reminded of the horrible criticism you got from your teacher telling you how bad you are at doing it. I mean, I, I joke about it, but sadly, that is <laughs> a large part of what training was like for me at the, at the Royal Ballet School. But um, uh, yeah, what interactive technology is doing is advancing the potential, the possibilities of, of that kind of mirrored, um, feedback you can get, um, you move and some kind of, um, visual representation of your movement or an effect generated by your, your movement comes back to you in real time. So it's really immediate. It's not, you're not having to stop and think and dwell and reflect. You're really able to be thinking in movement. Mm. And engage in a process of embodied cognition very directly, and to find flow in the, in that um, in that process of action and perception. And I think you know, I've been scratching the surface of some of these possibilities in um, in work that I've made in virtual reality, for example, where we can we've motion captured um, the cast of dancers, um, and then can represent their movement in a range of ways according to. You know, the possibilities of how you could, the visual techniques you can use in, um, in 3D modeling software. Mm. Um, but that as a participant in, in these virtual reality experiences, we have been able to use the, the same tracking technology to visualize you as a participant in it. So you put five trackers on your body and a, and a VR headset, you can see a representation of your body, um, as you're moving in that virtual environment. And so the performers then are performing around you, you can move in amongst them, within them. There are effects that can be generated as your bodies interact. And they can pass through each other. You know, there are things you can uh, achieve that would be possible in in the real world, but effects can be generated in a way that encourage a certain course of action. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, certainly in terms of the thing that what motivates me most to um, explore the use of this technology, hopefully people, as a result of that feedback, will take risks or explore things in their movement than um, beyond what they ordinarily would and can really get into a a deeper sense of feeling about their connection to a performer or about um, their relationship to other people, other participants in that experience, Mm. Um, and, and can really be experiencing things first and foremost through their body and movement rather than in this kind of, um, removed, uh, reflective judgmental, um, space. So it's really putting people into that experience of, um, the active presence and, um, and trying to meet them there and, um, and shape experiences around that. And yeah, like I said, it's the technology is, developing very quickly it, and it tends to be expensive and complicated to, to, to work with. And, and so it's not, it's certainly not as easy as just getting a group of dancers into a studio and, and devising a, a piece of choreography that way. It's a much longer and kind of more complicated process of creating, but I'm either stupid enough or <laughs> pedantic enough <laughs> to really want to, <laughs> to, um, to get further into this, because I, I mean, again, this comes back to what we were saying before about the the incentives of of the tech giants out there, and, and you know, this is really what Mark Zuckerberg and Meta are, are banking their entire business on is the you know the building of the metaverse, and there are some obvious priorities that they're bringing to this. If you look at their their track record and their history in terms of you know the business model that's predicated on on very very precise tracking and recording of data and then using that as the basis of, of selling advertising. Yeah. Um, and if that's if it's that model that's going to go into these virtual spaces that, um, you know, will, um, will become the metaverse. I think it's really important that there are other people with other ideas and incentives and priorities, also exploring that and and hopefully challenging what I see as as yeah, really potentially destructive and unpleasant uh, kinds of um, incentives that are going to be because I mean it sounds like it almost sounds like if you would if you're
0: like with all the all of the all of the um, tech giants like that type of perception i mean it's it's almost like just an amplification of um, a, a really destructive behaviors that serve them in a way. And so um, there's one way to say, kind of just lean back and say like, hey, we didn't really do anything. This is innate in people. And, no, and this is, no. you know, they wanted this. Uh, you mm. know, they, they chose of their own free will. And then it's just that you have a very insidious, I think is probably the right word, um, focus on and you're directing people's attention in a, in a way which is beneficial to you and not to them. I mean, I think it's interesting uh, Friend of mine was joking, and it works in English as well as in Swedish. We were joking in, but like this idea of surviving, like that, to mm. that it could be like an over, an overliving, living. Like we're living so much, like in a way, like surviving. Um, and then, but and then the other thing that I'm hearing you speak to is this: um, the other way is is then an opening of possibilities, rather. Like it is that mm. diffusion mm. that you mentioned earlier. Like it is, it's like to show what could also be what could also be possible and then um, empower people maybe uh, if if that's even needed but but at least just liberate people to kind of make their own yeah. choices and then that's then we're dealing in transformation i think like it's yeah. it is that, that that's what i've loved about working with dance as part of my healing process which is what i've been doing that's how i rediscovered it again because it's like it's so direct and it's not me thinking yeah. about something and then having to go out into the world and start acting it. It's like I acted it and thought it yeah. simultaneously. Yeah. And so I'm, yeah. I am already changed. And yeah. it's very liminal in a way. Like it's, it's it's like there's no, there's very little defense. Like I, I, I can't almost do it. It's like I do it or I yeah. don't. Like yeah. I go there or I didn't. Like yeah. it's very binary in a liberating
1: way. Uh, in a yeah in a way that's different from talking therapies which yeah. are always uh, uh, um, a kind of step away from it or there're an analysis they're a reflection yeah. upon the action rather than the action itself yeah and um yeah so it's like cutting to the heart of it that that can be incredibly powerful but that's really i think where both the potentially really positive and negative sides of this come because the you know i think that's already it's already happening with um with social media in terms of the way that news feeds are um, are curated for you. And um, I've read, been reading quite a lot of work by a um, a Korean German, is a Korean philosopher based in Germany called Byung-Chul Han wrote a book called Psychopolitics, which um, was really informative for a piece I made a few years ago called Overflow, which was around this kind of space of thinking about big data Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and, um, and social media and he yeah he makes a point about these kinds of um technologies and interfaces really cutting out the limbic system i think i'm I think that's what he's saying is either cutting it out or going directly to it, so this is where my knowledge of yeah, It's raised is. to the bottom of the ba- brainstem. that's something that yeah yeah, about. exactly, so it it's really um it's almost provoking you to act before you've had time to think about. About why you're acting and what you're doing, and again it's you know it's connected to your actions in the the scrolling thumb, and also this you know the, the idea that you're then also you're looking into the eyes of a supercomputer there, you know uh, something that's infinitely more powerful than your individual brain is in terms of w- what's informing the the choices about what's what's happening in that in that moment. So you've lost <laughs> the moment you're engaged in 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 that process. Yeah. You're captured, and um, but it's that exact same kind of cutting out of the um, the rational decision making process that has the potential to be so valuable in in in, in getting uh, or enabling people to you know in the context of therapy deal with trauma or change behaviours and you know really break out of deeply entrenched patterns. So I think there's yeah there's a really important movement for good i think that needs to come with the kinds of ideas that are being brought to these technologies and 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 spaces you know because at the moment it is largely within the the flatness of screens that we engage with that but you know as things move out into metaverse spaces it's really about the the tracking of movement um in in space and it's only going going to become more extensive in terms of um the kind of the detailed engagement of your whole body and all of your, um, your actions in these spaces that are either tracked and, and controlled around, um, around these uh, kinds of negative, um, or, or capital driven incentives, Mm. um, or that can be used as a way of, yeah. Freeing people to discover more about themselves and, and, um, and deal with, yeah, with trauma and I, I guess, de-pattern, re-pattern in, yeah. in ways that are ultimately positive, pointed towards a positive ends. Um, so I wanted to kind of derail
0: us cause I know we need to start rounding off, but, but um, I, I have, there was a question around that we talked about before, which I think we could have had talked the whole hour about, um, but, but, but um, just kind of to touch upon it anyways, because you we were speaking about funding yeah um, and then um, i'm just thinking in like the, also during the course of this i mean you it seems like you're dealing in almost like transmission or like almost like induction or like trying to like foster or like plant some like inception almost like you plant something and then you see how that unfolds um in people and then i guess funding is also i mean it's, it's quantified in itself because it's money but mm-hmm. then there's also like some some sort of you're paying for something that's the that's the mm-hmm. way we think about it right and so I'm just wondering if you wanted to very, I know we're not doing it justice, but to briefly touch upon the topic, like how, how does that look like in your world to be able to do mm. what you're doing? I mean, cause mm. you, you are doing it. You're making it, you're making it. <laughs> <laughs> just about.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, it's not straightforward because this, this work is not profit making generally. I and, 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 and dance certainly the kind of dance that i've experienced and 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 trained in has always been part of the subsidized art sector Mm. it's supported by government funding and although you know the ballet companies attract an awful lot of philanthropic support and you know can raise a lot of money on top of what they get from the government it's still they still exist on the basis of being pretty generously supported by by the government and it's great that you know I live and work in a country where where that exists, where that infrastructure is in place. It's not as generous in the UK um, as it is in other European countries, but it's way better than in the States, for example, where there's you know, pretty much no government funding for, um, for the arts. Um, so in, it's pretty much impossible for, or very difficult for independent artists to work or to establish anything without, Getting a lot of um, private support, Um, and I guess I've, for the last eight years of of having um, my company, been gradually kind of building up a, an infrastructure of support um, for that. And the work we do with technology does open up some different possibilities in terms of the kinds of places that are interested in presenting our work. It, It widens the context outside of the the more traditional touring infrastructure for dance, but also means that we then can some, uh, sometimes benefited from support from some of the tech manufacturers as well. But that's where we kind of veer sometimes uncomfortably close to what we've just been talking about in terms of the, you know, the what I see as, as it's really destructive and negative um, incentives um, that are being pushed by these tech companies. So it's a, it's a tricky one because, also, you know, it, also in in the UK, there's there's generally been a reduction in in state support for the arts over the years and, and a shift of focus. And there's much more of an expectation for arts organisations to be finding these kinds of corporate partnerships and um, and sources of funding from within the tech sector, for example, um, to to fund their work. But I don't. I don't know what that means. When the closer you get to the commercial side of things, the more um, the agendas are really direct, and the, 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 certainly the outcomes are expected to uh, generally expected to match the uh, the intention of, right. of the source of the funding, rather than being given in the context of an you know, an arts organization or an artist having freedom to explore and, and, and potentially criticize and, you know, and to say what they want about, um, about the work. So yeah, it's difficult because on the one hand I recognize how lucky I am to be in a situation where I can, I can make the, the work I've been making and, um, have, have been given the support to, to build that platform to do so, but it's hard also not to um, see the general direction of travel and and feel a little bit concerned or alarmed about it. But um, I guess where we stand at the moment is, well, on Friday, we'll (laughs) find out whether um, our company secured um, regular funding from the British government, which um, will be great on the one hand because we haven't had that, and that will give us some longer-term security mm. but it does it comes with so many conditions and mm. um things that need to be reported on that um there's always a bit of fear about you know, the burden that that kind of security then um presents you with um but i'm i guess i'm hopeful in some respects that we can continue to navigate some of these tensions again you know to go back to what we were saying before about technology neither being inherently good nor bad um it's really i think much more a matter of the negotiation of the inherent tensions right. that exist in these spaces and i think that applies to this, the funding landscape is there there's always going to be a you know competition of um incentives and and priorities between the art sector and the commercial sector and and government and and, um, the kind of, the charitable sector, there's, there's other trusts and foundations that, that supported the arts, which are either winding up or shifting their, um, emphasis to the, to supporting other issues, other really important issues like climate change and, you know, social, social services to deal with the growing inequalities, which, you know, hugely, hugely valuable things. But it means that money's being taken away from the arts to to support them, so yeah, the whole ecology is um is in flux, but again it's it's uncertainty <laughs> just we have to live with it and and um I think I'll always just try and bring a willingness to to negotiate those challenges and uncertainties as long as I believe in. The importance of what I'm doing, and feel as though it's really valuable enough and making enough difference for for the world sounds like a bit of a too big a claim. But you know, it's making a difference to some of the issues that I feel um, are important in the world, and um, and also is is valuable for me. Is 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 um, is bringing good things to my life. Yeah, we'll see, see where things go over the next decade or <laughs> so. Fingers crossed, like you say.
0: And if, uh, so just rounding off uh, now, like where, where if, if people want to find you, um, or wh- where can they find you and where can they contribute, perhaps even?
1: Mm. To the- um, well, they can find the company online um, at alexanderwhitley.com. Um, there's lots of information there about our touring productions, but quite a few um, digital-only projects as well. We've made several screen-based um, films using motion capture technology and augmented reality experiences. We have an app as well that is um, is linked to on on the web page, which people can download on the App Store or Google Play. It's it's a first attempt at um, thinking about how we can use the the for- format of an app to distribute the work we're making. So it's yeah, it's really interesting to see where that's being picked up and how people are using it. And then our work tours as well, um, around theaters and, and digital arts festivals. Um our next shows are in Germany and Karlsruhe, I think, um the week after next. So yeah, all of that information is 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 on our website. And um there's also information there about how you can support our work as well. So I would um
0: gladly encourage people to go and have a look. I'll provide the link. The link is in the show notes, I should say. And so thank you so much for taking the time and making the time to speak to me on these topics. And yeah, this is truly wonderful to have you. Thank you. It's a real pleasure.
1: Thanks so much.